Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to What A Load Of Cobblers, Friday Night Lights, the Northampton Town audio show, the podcast equivalent of Benny Ashley Seal singing Namesake Seal's Kiss From A Rose for his initiation. I'm Tom Reed and I'm joined by a group of guys who are all born under the hotel end. You can tell by their grizzled features and a penchant for terrible burgers and even worse football. We've got with us tonight Andy Bobfish, Martin Maloney, Ian Brandt and Jefferson Lake. It's come in from five-a-side football at the last minute. How's it going guys, you alright? Yeah, not bad mate. Yep, all good. Really good. Andy, we'll start with you, mate. You hope you've had a good week. We're going to just do something new this week. We're going to talk about our favourite footballing moments from the past week, either like a quirky thing or something that sort of caught your eye from football football world. What's yours, Andy? Well, obviously, the return of international football, um, those two truly memorable England internationals, um, you know, the uh, the, the mini Scandinavian tour. And yeah, so he caught my eye because obviously uh, Kyle Walker got sent off for. England last week. Um, amazing stat alert. Kyle Walker is only the second defender ever to be sent off for England. Really? Okay. Yeah. I mean, do you think that... That question who the first one was. Well, exactly. I mean, I'm going <laughs> to open. Anyone know? Oh, it's a hard one, isn't it? Can you give us sort of an era? Give us an era. I'll tell you what. No. I mean, I'll put you out of your misery. Uh, much like being Bob Holtless for a bit. Uh, but it's uh, no I mean Trevor Cherry 40 43 years ago in a um, in an international England played I think the Bonbonera in 1977 he was the first defender to be sent off for England and it's not happened since you look at the players that have been sent off Rooney a couple of times Beckham the only players by the way that have been sent off more than once for England those two Um, and in 1002 matches England have only had 16 dismissals. It's amazing, really. Carl Walker, was it, you said? So, you know, a cobbler's uh, alumni. Uh, well, quite, yeah. I mean, um, yeah, there's the connection there as well. So, I don't know, little things like that. They just excite me, Tom. I, you know, they get, <laughs> they get the gears grinding. Fair play. We'll, we'll come back We'll come back with uh, a few more stats next week. But we'll, we'll move on to Martin now. Martin, Mr. Baseball Impresario, you've been uh, looking at a few interesting things for football this week, haven't you? What, what's taken your eye? I think it's, it's more of a structural thing for me. OK. Obviously, the, the, the setup of the season has been a bit different this year. And I think playing the League Cup the week before the season 
Yeah. And the Johnson's Paint Trophy in the midweek before the season is what we should do in future. Because I yeah. think we yeah. would historically have just played pre-season friendlies and then gone into proper football and then squeezed the games in more. I think lose a week of pre-season stuff and start with the less important cup competitions. I think it's kind of got us all into it a bit, but you've still got a big kickoff for the league. Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a good idea. We like uh, winter football in England because it just gives us something to do, doesn't it, in those cold winter months when what else are you going to do on the weekend? But face it, people really want to be watching a bit of football in the nicer weather, and it just adds a bit of these League Cup, early League Cup games, just adds a bit of uh, a bit of com- competition early on, don't they? Although, yeah, you know, yeah, it's, it's more, it's always going to be better. Even a competition that doesn't mean that much is going to be yeah. better than a friendly. Yeah, I agree. That's a, that's actually a good one, Martin. We'll see if it continues next year or not. They'll probably come up with some other change next year, but we'll see. But um, yeah, that's a good one. Ian, how are you doing, mate? I know you've just finished five-side football as well. Probably uh, a bit tired, but uh, what's caught your eye in the world of football? Wonderful world of football. Yeah, I think it was that uh, Iceland penalty. It was an incredible um, penalty to score in front of, you know, the the... the the watching England fans in the bushes behind the uh, perimeter fencing. I think the ball went up. It was it was unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, that's one for the uh, the record book. That one. <laughs> I think uh, you, a lot of people are giving England a bit of stick for not you know struggling against Iceland and Denmark, but they're not a bad side at all. You know, they're. Uh, I think going back to what Andy was saying, going back into the past, um, I was looking at. I think we struggled against Denmark in. You're in 92, Andy, is that right? Yeah, nil, nil. Yeah, I, do you know who was playing in that game? Yeah, Keith Curl. Keith Curl. Everyone got injured, didn't they, in that tournament? And he sort of, he just kept getting bumped up the list. Uh, <laughs> but um, to be fair, Denmark didn't go on to win it, so there's no real... Uh, well, it did. Yeah. No really losing to them. But that was a good one, Ian. Yeah, and after, you know, penalties, you know, in these sort of games, often a bit hit Um, Jeff, are you, are you still with us in the land of the living after you? <laughs> After five aside, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, luckily, I was on Ian's team, and he he did all the running for me, so that was that was a major plus. But I am I am likely to start coughing heavily at any point during this podcast, so apologies in advance. Okay, no worries. So, what's um, your uh, story from the crazy world of football? Before I get to that, I, I, I was just thinking while while Andy was saying his thing about. Um, England players misbehaving on the pitch. I'm sure the podcast legal team breathed a sigh of relief that he didn't mention England players misbehaving off the pitch. England squad continued a grand tradition, which was started by Bobby Moore when he nicked that bracelet, allegedly. And uh, <laughs> Gascoigne smashed up the interior cabin of a, of a plane. Um, <laughs> on, <laughs> on a more happier note, you you can't can't surely can't have failed to notice this week that it was the uh, announcement of the PFA Players of the Year awards. Uh, Kevin De Bruyne yeah. won the the men's Premier League one. So huge congrats to Kev, uh, as I call him, um, for very deserved. But further down, of course, two cobblers players in the PFA League Two team of the year, which were Charlie Good and Nicky Adams. Obviously, uh, I work at Sky Sports and a fellow Cobblers fan by the name of Tom Rostance, who everyone surely knows, a uh, Twitter guy. He does a lot of the live text commentaries for BBC Sport Online. He uh, managed to insert uh, a picture of Charlie Good into a live text commentary. And I put one in the story on the Sky Sports website. So Tom and I 
are subconsciously brainwashing the football fans of the world with uh, Northampton Town references in a bid to just sort of like poison the well of football with with NTFC. Uh, that's, my, that's my lovely story of the week. <laughs> that's a good one. And I, I thought it was also interesting that if you look at the rest of the uh, League One and League Two PFA play, uh, teams of the year, there were some other Cobblers players in there. Ben Tozer was in the League Two mm. one, ex-Cobblers players. Yeah. Uh, Matt Crooks and Ivan Tony. So, you know, I was saying that we, we have a lot of good players, but not, not necessarily in the right order. Uh, it's never been thus, hasn't it? But we, we, we carry on relentlessly anyway. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, that, that that was yeah. That's that's a that's a good story, and it's just nice to see people like Nicky Adams in those in those lists. It's always a bit of a feather in our cap. Um, my story is um, from the dysfunctional world of football governance and Wigan Athletic fans who are planning a protest against the administrators of the football club, who have racked up huge fees, supposedly in the region of three million pounds for their services. And it's just a story. It's one of these stories of a fans taking direct action, but I don't think I've ever seen it before fans taking direct action against the administrators so they'll be there at the offices of administrators usually they're, they're at the offices of some sort of errant owner i was speaking to someone and they said that it sort of makes you feel that luckily do you remember back in the days martin of when cobblers were in administration i think one of the the, the administrators ended up, ended up on the board of the club didn't they oh uh, yeah i think i think so um parnell kerr foster i think yeah um but it does it does seem as you as you say um once administrators come in, they 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 do have kind of free reign, I think, to charge charge what they want, which could be perceived, I guess, as a conflict of interest. Yeah, that's true. The the funds have made raised a, a huge amount. I think it's six hundred thousand, something like that. But with the figures involved, you know, you just hope that something good happens for the club because we just need all we need all football clubs sort of working functioning functionally. We're only as sort of strong as our weakest link as the EFL club, so. Fingers crossed for Wigan. Um, back to Cobblers news. Like on the pitch, started off with a really good 3-0 win in the League Cup against Cardiff, which I don't think anyone expected. Did anyone predict that from us? I think uh, Andy, were you quite confident when you Andy? It's a strange one, isn't it? Like Martin said, strange um, schedule at the start of the season with um, limited pre-season and could have gone either way. I mean, they were they were hit with the international break, weren't they? They didn't have a strong team out. Then again, yeah. you know, you can only only do beat the opposition that's placed in front of you, and and that they did in a reasonably impressive fashion after a slightly um, slightly sloppy start. I thought it was a it was a good win. Cardiff, I never sort of uh, rollovers there. They're a strong side, even with their uh, players out there. They had a good side out. So that three 0 win was really really sort of enthusing, and a lot of fans were really sort of cock a hoop about it. You know, Cobblers fans were often down one minute up the next sort of roller coaster isn't it but then typical for Northampton the next game we go in Keith Carroll names a, a strong side for good or bad we can discuss that in a bit and in the uh, unmentionable cup against the unmentionable team from down the road at MK we lose 3-1 and there was quite a few injuries there was injuries to Mills who was a really really important player I think this season Smith and the Dane Ratchich all got injured. I'll ask you, Jeff, what do you reckon to um, Keith Cole naming his a really strong side in that in that competition, the uh, EFL Trophy? Do you think it's a, a sensible thing considering the uh, injuries? I think 
benefit of hindsight, it's not, is it? Because they've lost players and quite important players. It, I mean, they're all important players at the moment because as I was reading an article uh, earlier. Uh, he's been quoted as saying the squad is by no means complete. So at this point, every player is an important first team player just as a, as a numbers game. Those two games really, and it's kind of, it's a, it's a follow on from what Martin said earlier. They did feel to me like extensions of pre-season. Um, and that's kind of borne out a little bit in the uh, sort of unpredictable, although it was predicted on this podcast, the nature of the results. You know, that is a, that was a brilliant win to be a, any a Cardiff City side, any side they put out, as you said, is strong. And that is a, that's a brilliant result. And then you get the, the yang to the ying of that with a, a, a bad result on Tuesday, although they were ahead in the game, weren't they? Uh, yeah. So, you know, it's... It's been a it's been a weird week. To your question, was he right to pick the strongest side? You have to say no because people got injured. Um, however, if those players hadn't got injured, then it's another ninety minutes into them, isn't it? If you're looking at it from a kind of a pre-season preparation point of view, you're now thinking, well, we kind of need bodies in a bit quicker than we did before we lost those players. Obviously, the window yeah. is still quite there's still quite a long way to go in the window, mm. but um, yeah, not not ideal, I think. And and his post match interview kind of um, kind of told its own story. I thought he sounded quite, uh, for want of a better word, pissed off in his post match with Tim Oglethorpe. Um, yeah, with a few answers and a bit sort of um, yeah, he did he didn't seem happy afterwards. So I think perhaps you know if he was. In you know, if you were fly on his in his wall with his coaching staff, they will probably think that they perhaps shouldn't have picked the players they did in that game. Yeah, but I can see the rationale behind it, and I'm not sure. Oh, totally, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't say there was any any pressure from above because I don't think that that really happens. But from you know the James Whiting perspective, or you know the club accountant, that winning these ties, there's still a bit of a prize money. Funnily enough, you get more money for winning an EFL Trophy Day game than you do from the EFL sorry the League Cup EFL Cup because you don't get any prize money for so we didn't get any prize money for being Cardiff but we got we would have got prize money for being MK which is a bit perverse considering the stature of the competitions over time um so I can see you know with no not really any turnover coming through the football club by a few season tickets that it would have been a bit of an impetus to try and do well in this competition and go all the way so I can see it both ways uh I just I guess it, you look at the squad, the squad strength, and then you sum up and think is it the most sensible. I'm not a fan of that competition anyway. Seeing you go out in the better for me, so that's, <laughs> I'm not really that fussed. But uh, um, yeah, so let's move on to um, actually a signature we brought in and a new signing from Wolves. Uh, brilliant name, Benny Ashley Seal. Just, just superb name. Any more names like that. Uh, signed from Wolves this week on a two-year deal for the uh, undisclosed fee, Kelsey Prees. <laughs> he he comes with uh, you know good reviews from the the Wolves youth ranks, well regarded there. We'll go to you, Ian. What do you what do you think about Benny? Do you think he's a good signing? Yeah, I think so. Potential. Um, is he going to play him as a striker, out and out yeah. striker, or sort of? You know, I, I mean, he's, he's a, not. He's yeah. not the first thing everyone does is look on Wikipedia and see how many games he's played and how many goals he's scored. He's not really done a lot of either, has he? Um, but, you know, I think I think if we're going to go down that sort of route of getting sort of potential, potential strikers that, you know, 
uh, in a year's time, maybe we could sell him for five million as well. Him and him and um, Corbova, we could probably get you know a few million for him in a few years if everything goes right, or maybe not, or it could go the other way. <laughs> yeah, these signings, you never, you never, you never know with uh, youth signings. You don't, don't, you don't know how it's going to work out, but you just gotta, you just gotta have. I mean, like you say, you know, the, the Wolves. I think they speak quite highly of him. I think, I don't know. He, he, we'll have to see what happens with him. You wonder what the fee was that they paid. I, I absolutely no idea. Have you? You know, it could be, could be nothing. It could be a fair whack. It's a real random one, isn't it? On this one. Yeah, I think that's a good point. With the undisclosed, like yeah, again, we haven't, we haven't got a clue. But I'm just, I'm just happy to the extent we're bringing anyone in because, like I said, when you're looking at the the the, the income to the football club, us bringing any signing in is going to come with a. It's going to come with a cost, so you know he looks. He looks an interesting prospect. Um, Martin, have you had much of a look at Benny Ashley Seal? Um, well, probably probably no more than anybody else. You know, I've seen the sort of compilation of some of his play in the youth te- youth team there, and you know we can all, as as Ian said, you know we all go on Wikipedia look at look at stats, but I think it can be misleading because you know. I'm sure we'd have wanted to sign um, Owen Doyle, but you know, with his 20 plus goals last season, but so does so everybody else. So I think it's, I, you know, I like us taking a chance on a young player that we think might be something. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if there's a, a low kind of initial fee with a sell on clause, because he does seem to be talked of quite highly um, by Wolves. But I think, you know, players like, like him, Corboa, you know, you want you want you want to see us kind of shopping like that. The club will get criticism, in a sense, whatever they do with signings, because it's like you know, some oh, why don't we you know want to go in non-league? But we you know we've done that with Koboa, um, kind of youth players that maybe just aren't making it at Premier League or Championship level. You know, you get a good chance to have a good look at those because they'll play quite a bit. That's a fair appraisal as normal, and I think we'll. We just we just got to give him a chance, and I've looked at some of his stats and stuff. But we all know that Carl likes a money ball player, a player he can bring on a bit, and maybe hasn't been been underused, underappreciated a little bit. So, although um, Ashley Seal went to Accrington and didn't really pull up any trees, I've heard, I've heard that reports from Accrington that it wasn't particularly his fault and just didn't really get the rub of the green. So, yeah, so that's the signing of Ashley Seal. I think we'll have a little bit of a news roundup. Uh, now we haven't really done this before but there's been a few bits of stuff in the news for Cobblers and we'll have a little chat about that I'll speak to Andy first um, it's the 30 year anniversary of the death of David Longhurst Andy uh, ex-Cobblers player he's actually born in Northampton who sadly died on the pitch during a match with York City against Lincoln in 1990 sort of a, a, a sad time but it's an important time to sort of remember a player like that isn't it Andy? Yeah, I think so. Um, he was only there for the one season, wasn't he? Um, but I, again, I was I was going then, and I sort of I just vaguely well I remember the the impact he had in terms of his popularity. I mean, the you know the um, those those sort of funny um, pen picks, you know. Yeah. The, uh, you know, I mean, and we were talking to Eddie McGoldrick a few months ago, weren't we? And then you yeah. dig out. The, um, the pen pick of Eddie and, you know, the favourite subjects at school and what car do you drive and those, you know, those hilarious questionnaires you used to get in the programmes. A lot of those, you know, they featured Dave Longhurst, you know, in, and you could tell that he was a popular guy around the um, the dressing room and, yeah. you know, look, 
through Pete Norton's excellent books, him with his sort of trilby hat and his, um, you know, his rather loud blazer signing autograph. You could tell the guy had a lot of charisma. And yeah. um, I mean, it's much the same at York, wasn't it? I mean, they ended up naming naming a stand after him. And yeah, it was a memory, I think, when he, he sadly passed away. Um, although I think the, the match would obviously have been on a Saturday afternoon. But I remember St. Greavesy doing a, doing a piece on it, you know, nice musical montage. And they um, they clipped up some of his moments at the Cobblers and, and stuff like that. And, I think you know, a lot of people sort of remember him, even though he sort of flitted around the, the lower divisions. Sure. One of these, one of these, you know, stories of people sort of taken too soon, but like really fondly remembered at all the clubs they, they, that David played for and um, a real character. And I can, I've seen, although I wasn't supporting the club when he was playing, but I've seen photos of him with like a bright beaming smile and like obviously a real character. So it's nice to remember him 30 years later. Um, God bless his soul. Um, so the next little bit of news is uh, we've been drawn against Bristol City in the League Cup, which would have been a plum away day in the next round. When Do you actually watch the draw? It was like league, uh, round two and three. Did, Martin, did you watch the draw? It was sort of uh, round two and three and one, wasn't it? Um, no, I, I didn't see the draw. But yes, I was, I was kind of somewhat thrown by that, by that when, um, when it was announced. But I guess when fixture congestion is going to be a bit of a problem and, you know, with kind of Europe, I guess, as well, it sort of makes sense to allow teams, clubs to to plan their fixtures a bit better. So while it's, you know, the traditionalist in me is always, yeah, good win the cup, you can't wait for the draw. But yeah. I think there is a bit of, you know, grown up sort of planning around it because, you know, you, you've got to work out when you squeeze these fixtures in. I mean, Personally, I would, you know, I, I wouldn't be against spinning off the league, the league cup. I don't, I don't think it's a great, it's a great competition. But if you're going to have it, then give clubs a chance to kind of, kind of plan a bit better. So yeah, from a Northampton's perspective, it's been a, a, a cup that's been really good for us. And oh, it I has. Yeah, I, I mean, not Cardiff out. Selfishly, I was speaking to I <laughs> Yeah, I was speaking to Jeff about the the teams we've knocked out and stuff, and there's just been so many. The list is just getting longer and longer. I think we've knocked Cardiff out at least, I think it's twice. There's been obviously Tottenham, West Ham, Liverpool. So it's a it's in quite an important one for us. So hopefully Bristol City is a difficult tie, let's face it, than Championship, good side. But you know if we beat Cardiff, we have we have got a little bit of a chance to go there and do something. Then we won't have a home crowd behind them. So. You never know. Stranger things have happened. Um, look forward to that tie. Right then, I'm pleased to be joined by Ray Armfield from AFC Wimbledon, who's a programme contributions editor, lifetime Wimbledon fan. How are you doing, Ray? Not too bad, Tom. Yeah, it's good to good to talk to you. Obviously, we're playing on Saturday, first game of the season. One of those mm. games where everyone's just full of hope and uh, for the season ahead. It often gets dashed after two or three games, but. Um, yeah, it's good to talk to someone from Wimbledon. We've I followed, you know, your fortune since you reformed as AFC Wimbledon, and you've, you've come, you know, miles now, and your new stadium's on the way. Let's talk about your new signings first. What new signings have you have you brought in? I think in sort of signing order, we've got uh, Trey Alexander, who's a right wing back from Barnet, and I think the stats tell me he was the best crosser of a ball in the National League last season. So that's okay. And somebody we needed, but mainly I think we've been missing a target man since um, somebody we we both know well, 
Adiakim Fenwa left. Um, yeah. We've signed Ollie Palmer, who's six foot five from, from Crawley and looks like he fits the bill. And he came with a yeah. bone of having a granddad who is a Wimbledon player and a dad who's a Wimbledon fan. So he um, so he ticks a lot of boxes. And we've also bought somebody I think we, we've needed since we've got rid of Danny Ballman. Um, and that's Alex Woodyard, who's like a midfield general. And we certainly need somebody in there with a bit of know-how and games under his belt. So I think sure. he could be the crucial signing of the season. And it wouldn't shock me if he was the captain fairly soon. And a bit of a wild card in um, Ethan Chislett, who we've got from Aldershot. He's a sort of a, a languid number 10 type. Um, okay. Nine, nine assists for Aldershot. And I think there's high high hopes for him as well. Yeah, you've got some, it sounds like you've got some experience brought in, especially in the likes of Oli Palmer, who I've always rated just as a quite an old-fashioned sort of uh, target man, really. He puts himself about and can, can finish when he gets a chance to. So there's a bit of experience there and a bit of, uh, you know, a couple of non-league signings as well, just to mix things up. So it just seems like maybe your manager's trying to strengthen the spine and then maybe a few support players as well. I think so, yeah. Um, we've got something like 13 academy players in the squad now. So I think if you take away Bolton's early team from the start of last season, we, we were the youngest team in League One. So I think yeah. what he's got for is quality rather than quantity. So the size of the squad has gone down. Uh, but the ones he's kept, he's added to with sort of round round holes and round pegs, really, and that's, yeah. that's needed. It's always nice to hear clubs with a really good homegrown ethos and players coming through. I think that's that's, that's always going to be a positive, you know, in the next few years. Those players will start to set themselves on the first team, and then you'll have a whole crop of players, won't you, to hopefully come through. That's it. Yeah, I've I've always felt a bit bit sorry for our academy because the the sort of minute we sort of produced a player, we we tended to step up a league or two and suddenly they, they weren't quite good enough. So certainly with our rise through non-league, um, they were always playing catch-up. But now we've sort of stabilised a bit and had five years in League One. I think our academy is starting to show a bit of uh, fruition now, if you like. And the players that are coming through are very good. And even at, even at teenage years, they're, they're starting to hold down first-team players and first-team squad squad places. So that can only be good. Mm. So what would you say your hopes for the season are then? Because obviously, well, it's, it's a difficult one. Survival, first of all, mm. is the club. And then obviously relegation survival. We know we're not really going to be up at the top end. Um, but we've had, you know, sort of three to four years of really chancing our arm down the bottom. So it would be nice to get somewhere mid-table, mid just take, take the pressure off the end of the season. Um, whether we can do that or not, I'm not sure. Um, it depends on, again, lots of our younger players stepping up and becoming men, if you like. Yeah, you've had a bit of turnover in the um, the manager stakes, haven't you? Um, mm-hmm. did Wally, Wally Downs went, didn't he? Is that yeah. Right? Yeah, I'm quite quite happy with uh, Glenn Hodges as a replacement. As a, as a player, believe it or not, although he was perhaps involved in the sort of the team that most people look as um, as the excesses of the crazy gang. I think he had a very cultured left foot and he was quite a stylish player. Um, yeah. And other people did the dirty work, if you like. Um, and I think he's brought the same ethos into his management. I mean, he's, you know, he doesn't play long, long ball particularly, um, but he does get the most out of what he's got. Um, and I'm, I'm quite, quite happy he's going to go on. He's, he's also been very patient in waiting for his chance as a manager as well. 
and um, I think he's grabbed it with both hands so far. What sort of style of football has he got you playing? Because obviously Wimbledon are always going to have this long ball thing and it's going to be impossible to get rid of. But Sure, yeah. You know, it's boring, boring Arsenal, is it? We're, we're stuck with that for yeah. immemorial now. Um, <laughs> Formation-wise, I think he's, he's set up 3-5-2 three, three, um, and he's got players within that. It's, it's not very often we sort of um, mess around with that. Sometimes it's 5-3-2 away from home, but um, we've not really tended to go with, with wingers much. Uh, and we haven't really gone with orthodox full-backs full either. It's wing-backs. Wing so I don't think you'll see a great change of style from us, but um, that's normally how we set up. Yeah, that's not altogether uh, different from what the way we set up, really. So it sounds actually like a, a fairly even match on, on Saturday. Maybe a bit of quality might decide it. We we can we can go direct when we need to. We're sort of a fairly physical side and stuff. We've got some some skill as well. So that just seems um just seems quite an interesting first game. One of the things that I've been looking at for Wimbledon and keeping an eye on is your your new stadium, which looks really good. Is it funnily enough made? I think it's built by the Buckingham Group, who uh, was supposed to make Ari stand and. Another story. Yeah. <laughs> and the building stands the oval as well so uh, yeah i i see their name everywhere now now i'm looking yeah. at it. so your new stadium might be finished before our standards our standards been finished which has been standing you know unfinished for a how many years now but what yeah. what is tell us a bit more about the new stadium like the capacity and stuff and you know there's some features in it and stuff I think it's somewhere between 9,300 and 9,600. Um, yep. There's a main stand which holds about half that, about 4,800, 4, which is a permanent one. Um, and then there's three sort of semi-permanent stands that go around it that aren't, aren't quite as big. And when I say semi-permanent, I think they're going to be there for a long time. They are all covered, so we're not talking about the open end at Gillingham here, if you've been there. Um, yep. I think they are built to last for as long as they need to last. Um, I think the home end's next on the list to do, but if you're saying when might the whole stadium be built permanently, I think you're looking sort of 20 years, really. Um, but it, it will do us for now. And obviously, um, in these times, we've all watched the build with sort of eager eyes and every new picture gives you something else. Like last week, some of the seats went in. and you know, it, it's It's the dream. I mean, it's... It's a generation since we've had a home game in Southwest 19. My son's 31 and he's never seen us at Plough Lane. So now he's going to. It's an amazing story and everything in these sort of uh, situations is a battle, really. So you battle, you battle to get back into the league. You battle to, you know, even get you get a uh, stadium even to the planning stage, and you have to go through all the planning, all the rigmarole of all that, and it's just one hurdle after the other. And to finally uh, open that stadium. It'd be a huge relief for you and just a really good moment. Oh, for sure. I mean, I think I think we got planning permission five years ago, and we knew that you know typically these these things never run on time. But there was um, a delay when Boris Johnson called it in when he was mayor of London, and then left it on his desk for Sadiq Khan to deal with. And the first thing he did was give it back to Merton Council and say, "Why is this on my desk?" Um, yeah. So we lost a year and and maybe a million pounds plus because of that. Um, there were other objections that were just spurious and I think they were put in by other parties who just maliciously hoped that we would run out of money. And then, of course, yeah. we um, came to start in the build and suddenly there was a bit of a black hole because the price of steel went up and delays and whatever. So we had to dig dig deep as a fan base again. 
started the plough lane bond that raised like five five million and now we've started a um, debenture scheme for seats at, at plough lane just to put some more money in the pot as well but um, we've we've got what we need now we've also taken a local businessman on board who's um, by no means faceless Nick, Nick Robertson I think he's he's the founder of the ASOS fashion label don't ask me what fashion is though um, <laughs> <laughs> and he's and he's well known for being sort of involved locally in Wimbledon he's got fingers in lots of local pies and I think he he started off perhaps wanting it as an investment but I think we've turned him into a bit of a fan now yeah the the fan sort of centric ethos at Wimbledon is just brilliant and it goes a lot of it under the radar and should be sort of celebrated more but there's two sort of points to that in terms of what you're saying the first point is when you came to a hurdle with the stadium you didn't just go all right this is it let's just leave it fallow for years you've said right let's Let's see what we can do ourselves. You had the bond scheme, which raised, you said over, was it five million? Nearly five million? Yeah. So a, a, a decent amount of money. And then you've got the seat debenture scheme as well. So basically, what does that mean? Can you you buy a seat, do you? Or how does, what does that mean? Yeah, I think it sort of works the same way as Wimbledon tennis. You sort of buy the right to, to buy a seat for yeah. seven years. And then that gets you discount every time you use it, like when you come to buy a season ticket. Um, sure. They're not, not compulsory, but obviously if people want, certain seats in certain areas it's a way of guaranteeing it it's important to to note as well that you've still got the you know large percent of fan ownership at Wimbledon yeah who's basically he's basically just shows you that you can you can retain the control of the supporters but you can also bring in some investment as well quite a good model you can yeah I mean you know people say oh yeah you've got to league league one now and that's your glass ceiling and maybe it is but I think give it a few years if we can go towards filling the ground every home game, um, that might well give you a platform and some impetus. I mean, you know, the Coppola's fans will, will know that from going up last year. Um, so perhaps while they might think, oh, it's a tough league, I think, as, as we found out when we moved into League One, the impetus of getting there is a good thing. Um, that's true. But on COVID days, who, who knows how that's going to translate? I was speaking to someone the other day and they were, were talking about like, you know, fan ownership and stuff and like glass ceilings and stuff like this. And they were like, well, you're never going to get to the top of the championship with um, fan ownership. But clubs like Wimbledon and Northampton realistically aren't going to get there without, you know, without some sort of, you know, massive investment or, you know, you know, go like going into some sort of gambling spree and gambling. You know, I, I put it like this. You wouldn't go you wouldn't take your family on holiday to Monaco and then spend all your life savings in the, um, in the casino there trying to, you know, to win a, a million. You, you, you want, you want to put, keep a roof over your family's head. And that's mm-hmm. the thing. Sort of like, yeah. the championship is a, is an absolute cut basket case financially. So why, why, why do you want to enter that on those terms? Why not have a club that's sustainable and will um, give you enjoyment each week and just try and gradually build your way up? That's, that's surely the only way forward for clubs like us, I think. Absolutely. Thanks for taking the time for uh, to talk to me. I, I really appreciate it. And um, it's really good to hear that, you know, you know, Wimbledon are doing really well and things are looking a lot brighter than they were like maybe 10, 20 years ago. So thanks a lot. You're welcome, Tom. Cheers, mate. Speak soon. Yep. Cheers, mate. Bye-bye. Bye. And now we're going to move on, actually, to um, what's going to be the greatest word game in football history there's a there's another word game going on at uh, talk sport which we won't mention which is inferior to ours but this new word game is called drum roll please i have to edit that in <clears throat> f on e lad so, <laughs> the f on e lad game 
really simple. You've got to name a cobbler's player whose first name begins with any of the letters from F and E lad. That is E-F-O-N-E-L-A-D. So their Christian name, their first name begins with any of those letters. Really simple. We're just going to go round until someone messes up and they're out. Uh, every player gets one flip or pass. Uh, and that is, means the, the subject flips to a different subject other than cobbler's players. But you still got to use the letters E-F-O-N-E-L-A-D. And I'll sort of remind you of that. And we'll have a little time limit to make sure we don't go on too long. So is everyone ready? Yeah. So we're going to start with Andy Bodfish. Think of a cobbler's player, past or present, that begins with the letters E-F-O-N-E-L-A or D. Okay. Well, Andy Woodman. Okay. So that's an A. Right. That's cool. That's right. Correct. Uh, Martin? Lee Collin. That's a good one. Centre back. I'm struggling. I think I'm going to only get about two. So Ian, it's you now. Eddie McGoldrick. Right. Cool. That's an E. That's right. Go on then, Jeff, your go. Ollie Cahill. Oh, man, he's going with the forgotten cobblers. That should be a double pointer, I think. I think if so, I can, too. If, if I can barely remember their name. He was even, he was, I'm not even sure he played a first-team game, Jeff. This is stretching it. I don't think he started a game. But he was um, quite a wide left player, mid-90s. Yeah, I'm going to go. Have we played football by any chance? I'm going to go for Nigel Gleghorn. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Go on then, Andy, your go. Um, Daz Collins. Oh, D. Darren Collins. Yep, Darren from the past. Yeah, yeah. Go on then, Martin. Fred Murray. Oh, nice. He's Good Irish, player. wasn't he, as well? Good player, Fred yes. Murray. Yeah, ex-Cambridge. Okay, go on then, uh, Ian. Andy Holt. Yeah, that's another A. Andy Holt. Good stalwart left back. Jeff? Frank Fielding. Oh, that was one of my. How was it? <laughs> yeah. I've, I, I, not that I've prepared, but I've thought I'm, I'm going to struggle with Fs big time. Uh, right. I'm going to go. <laughs> Eric Sabin. Eric Sabin for the uh, non French speakers out there. Andy? Um, let's think about it. Frankie Belfon. <laughs> oh, no. yeah, the jazz player. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good one. Right, okay, uh, Martin. Lewis Young. These are these are quite obscure. Some of them. I'm impressed. Uh, Ashley Young's brother. Yes. Nowhere near as good. Uh, Ian. Andy Kirk. Are all yours going to be Andy's here? <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Jefferson Lake. Lewis Malt. Oh, that's a good one. Is he not a Louis? I'm sure he's a Louis. Not a Louis. Uh, yeah, Louis Lewis. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll give you that one. Uh, right, Alan. Alan McCormack. A. Go on then, Andy. Uh, Andy Andy Blair. Andy Blair. Is that another... That's another obscure one, isn't it? I'm going to have to Google some of these Martin, to make sure Martin plucked it out of the abyss last week, to be fair. I think so, yes. And, um, yeah. Go on then. That's a good one. Go on then, mine. Eddie May. Eddie May. See, I, I think if we don't... If we don't we don't think it's real, we should be able to challenge it. <laughs> <laughs> and if I get it wrong, I'm out. If I remember rightly. Eddie May. I'm just going to quickly go Google this one. Oh, Stuart's Inquiry. <laughs> do, you guys, do you guys think Eddie May is one? Because I, 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 Have you heard of him? No, mate, you're just thinking of the Radio 4 bloke, aren't you? <laughs> 
Are you sure, Martin? He was, yeah, he was, he was a forward came on loan from Hibs. It was when we were at a county ground, probably about 91. Okay, Looked we'll pretty at, at average, but had one amazing shot that I think hit the bar. And it was like, oh, he could be quite good. And then was never seen again. Okay. <laughs> had a Panini sticker of him when he was at Hibs. <laughs> your go? Bye for now. That's right. That's a D of FLN. And Jeff, your go? Darren Harmon. That's good. Right, we're going to do one more round and then I'm going to do a flip as a uh, adjudicator and rule maker and we're going to change it to another one, which is slightly harder. So uh, oh, I'm going to go Neil Grayson. Oh. It's, all the, it's all the Neils. Andy? Dean Thomas. He's, Andy's got some retro call about his answers. They've all like got some got some authenticity about him. Martin? Armand One. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a name to conjure with. Um, I think he was a striker. Oh, yeah, I don't know much about him more yeah. than that. Striker in name only. <laughs> <laughs> Ian, your go. Evan Horwood, of course. Oh, <laughs> we should win for that. <laughs> yeah, maybe we could call the game Evan Horwood, and when you say that, it's over. Uh, Jefferson Lake. Alan Connell. Oh, that's a good. I'm, I'm struggling for Alan's, but that's another. The blonde striker was an a little blonde striker. Yeah, another striker in name only. We've had several over the years, several thousand probably. <laughs> right, I'm going to use my executive powers to flip the subject now. It's the same letters, but we're having a different subject, which is countries of the world. Oh, wow. Andy, Andy has travelled extensively. E-F-O-N-E-L-A-D, country of the world, Andy. Go. Uh, Latvia. Latvia. Good stuff. Uh, Martin? New Caledonia. Oh, I'm not sure that's a country, is it? Think, yeah, think it may be a colony. I think you're right. Oh, it's not a country. You're out, Martin. Oh, that's no, out. Be clever. Get him out of here. Get him out of here. Right, it's out. Of here. Right, it's out. Sorry. Of the Sea Department. If uh, <laughs> well. Sorry, Martin. Is it, you know, it's a learning game. This Ethan lad. Martin's out. Ian, country beginning with E F O N E O O D. Denmark. Denmark. Jefferson. Estonia. Uh, Ethiopia. So it's uh, Andy now. Uh, Lithuania. So good. Uh, Martin's out. Ian. England. Yeah. <laughs> it took me a while. Took me a while to think of that one. I was, <laughs> I was like, I, I'm muted because I was flicking through the inside the uh, atlas. <laughs> the atlas. You got a school yeah. atlas out. Uh, Jeff. Country. Austria. Austria. Right. I'm gonna go. This is from my watching Pointless. I can't say Central African Republic. That's always a pointless answer. I'm going to go uh, Eritrea. <laughs> Andy? Uh, France. Oh, I was going to say that. <laughs> Damn it. Ian? Andorra. Andorra, that's a good one. Lovely. Right, go on then. Jeff? Australia. Right. Uh, D, Denmark. T- I'm going to go Djibouti. Bastard. <laughs> Were you going to go for that? Yeah. <laughs> Andy, we're going to have a time limit uh, now. Uh, Liechtenstein. Ian? Ooh. Um. Yeah, count down, Ian. Five, four. Estonia. Estonia. Have, have we had Estonia? Did you say Destonia, yeah. Jeff? I th- yeah, I think I did right at the start, I'm afraid. Oh, uh, repetition, Ian. Sorry, mate. You're out, mate. Oh, I do apologise. Right, so there's only me, 
uh, Andy and Jeff left. We're going to go back to we'll go back to Cobblers players again. So oh. start again with Cobblers players. It's going to get more difficult now because we're really running out. Uh, I think it's is it my go. Who's goes it next? It's Jeff's go. Uh, uh, I I can't think of any. I, I had I, the problem Five, was I had countries four, in mind. Three, two, three, two. Five. He's out of there. All I could think was there must be a player who's played for us called Luke something, and then I couldn't think of them. And now I've thought of one. But uh, anyway, carry on. Going to go for Luke. I will. I'll, you keep it in your head because I don't want. Yes. It's just between me and Andy now. It's a real battle of the non-fighters. Oh, now that there's only two of you left, you two should have a fight. Decide <laughs> the winner. Yeah, I'm not really we'll, into we'll it. Shirts off in the garden. <laughs> it could. It could stream it. Yes. <laughs> This is right. This is where Patreon subscribers. <laughs> <laughs> so I think Jeff should um, time us. Just just give us like five seconds, and if we don't don't do it in that time, you've got to tell us sort of to hurry okay. up, get it going. So we'll do a quick fire. We'll do a quick fire. Yeah. Yeah. I'm running out already. Who, so this is going to be short. Who is it? Who's go? Is it? It's your me. Go. Right, go. So, okay. Uh, Luke Norris. Jesus. All right, yeah, good one. Uh, um, Adebayo Fenoir. Derek Asimov. Nice. Ooh, Ali Gibb. Oh. Um, um, Neil, kill someone. Oh, I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out. Andy, you're the champion of the inaugural F1 Elad game. Amazing. So, congratulations. Well done, Andy. Guys. Well done, mate. Andy, I hope I'm, you're I'm, proud. You know you've saved this for another week. Nice help. <laughs> Andy, all those years of uh, looking through the Rothmans yearbook has paid off. It's, it, it, that game was designed for Andy, I tell you. <laughs> it was. And we'll, I'll see you next week. See if he, F&E lad returns or if any lad has just put in the... Uh, Notebook of history, we'll see. But uh, Andy is a champion, whatever the case. Looking at the, um, looking at the injury list, I think um, Keith Kerr will be hoping F and E lad can return for the cobblers. Never mind <laughs> to the podcast. Yeah, I think he it would be straight walk straight into the team, literally, wouldn't he? Just walks through a bottle of fizzy pop straight into the midfield there. So it'd that actually leads us on. It'd be disappointing that Richie's been knocked down though. <laughs> <laughs> Who turned up to training in Abington Park? They'd be like, he'd be like, where is everyone? Who's used to train in the park. <laughs> so you imagine yeah, walking up to Ritzy with his coat on and short. He was the he was the coat and shorts guy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and seeing it's now the the, the Saints ground and just a single tear silently rolling down his cheek as he <laughs> wistfully at the Franklin's Garden statue. Yeah, but those those rugby lads, they walk around in shorts and flip-flops all day, so he probably got the part anyway. <laughs> They'll just assume he's a new signing. <laughs> it wasn't just a coat, Jeff. It was a bomber jacket and shorts. Let's get it right. Yeah, you get everything. All your sartorial needs in TK Maxx, mate. Everyone knows that. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, do you know, that look would have been the one that, do you know, like uh, Yves Saint Laurent, not Yves Saint Laurent, who's the guy from Eurotrash? What's his name? Jean-Paul John Paul Gauthier would have uh, approved of F and E lads uh, bomber jacket and shorts look at Ritzy. He's just a trendsetter in many ways, footballing, fashion. So could well, have been its own little segment on on your interest. <laughs> F- well, there, was, 
there was plenty of uh, trash in Ritzy's, if, if memory serves. <laughs> <laughs> be particularly pro-Europe, though, that particular demographic. Is there a, a show that goes past? We're not going to mention Ritzy. I just don't know if there is one. But that <laughs> If Only Lad Talk actually takes us on to another little segment. It was actually something that came about we were talking about on the um, Twitter feed for um, Wallach. Uh, we were talking, and we just, a guy uh, tweets random programs from the past. And um, he tweeted a program from, I think it was 1990. If I'm just going to bring it up now. Yeah, it's from 1990. And on the front of the program is a uh, picture of Graham Carr playing football, as you do. He's a player manager. <laughs> uh, it was from Saturday, 8th of September, 1990. I, I don't doubt one of us was, of, if not more of us, was actually at this game against Blackpool. And we beat him 1-0. Attendance 4-5-4-4 with uh, a goal from Bobby Barnes. And this segment, we're just going to basically go through the team from that, that game. And we're going to, it's called Super Sub, this section. And we're going to put in three players from this team from 1990 in the current team that will bring something to the, um, to the sort of, to the, the game, the gamesmanship of the, of the team. And um, the best thing about spon- this little, little uh, program is that the sponsor of player section, Steve Berry, who, uh, few of you will be familiar with was sponsored by Northampton Beer Agency. I've literally got no idea what that was. Just an, an agency you turned up. You know. Cannot cannot give you a little bit of Steve Terry trivia. No, Steve Berry it was. Steve, Steve sorry, well it involves both. Okay, go on. <laughs> we had a Tuesday night game, I think in that same season at Knotts County or the season after. And I saw Steve Berry take a corner Headed home by Steve Terry, past Steve Cherry. Oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, man. Did you, like, complete the Matrix? That boy. <laughs> it was, I remember thinking at the time, this will be in the papers tomorrow, and it never was, and no Twitter or anything back then, so it hey, just stuck beautiful. in my mind ever since. What would the headline be, though? Think of a headline. Uh, who scored it? Berry, Cherry, Terry. Uh, Berry, Berry with the assist. To che- Berry to Terry, past Cherry. <laughs> That's it. That's your headline. It's just <laughs> superb. Amazing. So, yeah, so Berry is in this team. I'll go through the team. Northampton v Blackpool. Um, it's funny actually looking at some of the Blackpool players as well, because they had Trevor Sinclair. Uh, it must be the Trevor Sinclair. And, it, yeah. Uh, yeah. And a guy called Andy Garner, who... Um, if you look at the, the uh, stickers from that era, uh, yeah, it was a really interesting looking fellow. It looked like he'd drag through a hedge backwards. But um, the Cobblers team was uh, number one, Peter Gleesha, the goalie, long-standing goalie. Two, Phil Chard, Mr. Um, Adaptable. Paul Wilson, can't really remember him too much. Terry Angus, had a really good career. Steve Terry, Terry Berry Cherry. Uh, Pat Scully, I think he's been named as one of the obscure players in the, in the uh, Forgotten Cobblers. Stuart Bevan whose son actually went on uh, to play for Wickham, I believe. Good player himself. Kevin Wilkin got nailed by the Hereford players in that, in that game. Steve Berry, uh, Bobby Barnes, who I thought was a terrific player. Steve Brown, another really good player. Adrian Thorpe and Greg Campbell, they were sort of sort of sideline players. So we'll go to you uh, first, Martin, because you used to go a lot in those days. If you could choose three players from that team, who would you put in the current Cobblers? Well, I think... First one was dead easy, um, Bobby Barnes. Oh, I thought he was absolute, absolute class. Um, mm. play, 
I could play down the middle, wide, and I remember just the first one of the first players really post 86, 87, where when he got the ball, you know, you, you got that tingle, something could happen here. You know, I, I thought he was fantastic. He'd definitely, definitely be in the side. Um, then I think one of two midfielders, I've plumped, plumped for Steve Berry. I just thought really good all-round footballer, you know, not great at one thing, just solid, solid sort of seven out, seven out of ten every week. Although I do remember we signed him for 45 grand from Aldershot. We really should have kept 12 grand back for what Aldershot spent some of that money on because they, with that money, they spent 12 grand of it signing Steve Claridge from Crystal Palace. <laughs> and clearly would have been a bit of an upgrade on most of what we had in the in the the next few years. Um, could have gone Steve Brown, absolute legend, I thought. Um, great player in some dark in some dark days. Uh, but I plumped for Berry. And I thought Pat I thought Pat Scully was excellent. I thought he had a really, really good season. Uh, uh, I think he might have been with us three months or maybe a season long loan. Um, yep. but oh crack off a cracking centre half. So yeah, that was that was my three. But I'd probably say there were maybe five people in the conversation if that you know this wasn't um, wasn't yeah. a great season. Yeah, yeah. But there was some, there was a little bit of quality dust in there, which was you know pretty much Cobbler's uh, story of of our lives, really. Um, Jeff, you you were watching him then, weren't you? You probably seen a few of these players. I, I was not watching them then. Uh, I, I sort of started going about 92. So a lot of these players were still at the club when, yep. when I was going. So uh, based on my uh, slightly limited knowledge, I'd say the current squad, given the, um, given the sort of limitations and you kind of want someone that can fill a few roles, I'd go Phil Chard, classic yep. utility player. Uh, I think Keith Curl would like him. I always really liked Stuart Bevan. I think when we when we had him, he was very much in, shall we say, the autumn of his career or perhaps even like the winter of his career, really. Um, but good, you know, good set piece delivery on him. He could he could come in, I reckon, and he'll be like the Alan McCormack replacement. And then I'm going to do a bit of a bit of a wild card pick for the third one, because I'd actually really love us to love us to have Dave Lancaster from Blackpool, their centre forward, who was like a goal machine and proper old school number nine, um, kind of like uh, this is slightly disparaging, but a, a much much better version of the boy Smith that we've got at the minute. Um, so we get him in, and he can sort of show uh, Har- Harry Smith the ropes. Yeah, I'll let I'll let you have one from Blackpool. I, I might have to nick Trevor Sinclair for mine, but yeah, yeah like Dave, Dave, Dave Lancaster, what a, a good old fashioned football name as well. Brilliant. <laughs> Perfect. Dave and Lancaster. What more do you want? <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, let's go to you, Ian. Who would you have? Three words, champions next season. So Phil Chard <laughs> for that moment alone. <laughs> yeah. Paul Wilson. I, weird fact, I played alongside him on a Sunday morning. His son played for my Sunday league team and he filled in. He played sweeper keeper and he was... It, when you've got a player of that quality playing with you, you realise like what a difference they make. Just just the talking. It was a bit like playing with Jefferson tonight, actually. Just keep, <laughs> keeping <Yeah>. you motivated. Yeah, I think Bobby Barnes, he was quality, wasn't he, as well? Great mm. strike. Great striker. So, 
Yeah, that's my three. I think Champions next that, season. Yeah, Champions next season. I always say that should be our club motto, motto literally on the shirts. It's just, it's just a great line. <laughs> Um, but yeah, but Bobby Barnes, I think a lot of the ignominy of him leaving and like he became a bit of a you know a bit of a Judas and a bit of Thomas character just because people actually really liked him and he went to posh and just uh, well, he didn't want to go. Yeah, I think something I often say: you, no one ever hates bad players. People yeah. get angry and scowl at good players. Yeah, yeah, mm. good point. Yeah, that, they say they say you can only hate someone you've sort of liked or loved at some point, really, don't they? Otherwise, you don't feel it properly. But let's not get too philosophical. Let's go straight to Andy before we get all emotional on this podcast. Well, Andy. yeah, nothing um, into left field, um, Barn, Barnsley. And yeah, you know, just um, a, a slightly changed engine room. I went for Steve Brown and indeed um, Bevan just because I remember them just pegging it and taking throw-ins and being box-to-box and heart-on-their-sleeve characters that I just... I remember just really enjoying their commitment at the time. Um, yeah. You know, sweat stains, uh, shirt hanging out, covered in mud. Um, but th- to be fair, um, I think Phil Chard is probably a decent shout because um, yeah. he, he was versatile as you like, you know, um, up could, the flanks, through the middle, you know, painting the grandstand. He could do everything, couldn't he? Um, <laughs> so, so, so in hindsight, you know, you'd put, you'd probably, I don't know, you'd perhaps stick Chard in there above, I don't know, uh, whatever. There's, there's room yeah. for four. <laughs> I think, that, yeah, that, I think. That match, by the way, that was, um, that was Theo Foley's first league match in charge. Really? And that was, yeah, and that was against Graham Carr, his first, first away match for Blackpool, I think, which is a yeah, bit, of a, right. bit, bit yeah. of a quirk of the match, you know. That makes sense because that's why he's on the front of the program in 1990 because he's coming back back with Blackpool. So yeah, and it was it was also a few days after um, as we were saying about the, the way seasons were arranged in those days. It was first league game and then on the Tuesday it was the the first leg of the League Cup match, wasn't it? And I'm pretty sure that's that's when um, Tony Miola just weeks after playing in in Italia 90 for the USA, we played for Brighton at the County Ground. So j- j- just weeks after, you know, the the, the razzmatazz of the Olimpico, uh, you know, he's standing in front of the Spion Cop with some bloke and a dog just having a go at him, you know, um, which, which, which is quite a nice juxtaposition, I think. It's a really nice thing to look at these old programmes and just see how simple the, the game was in those days and uh, we'll re- revisit a few more. Yeah, so just to wrap things up, we're playing Wimbledon this weekend, ASC Wimbledon, whatever you want to call it. I've spoken earlier to the uh, Wimbledon fan who's given us a down low on um, lowdown on on Wimbledon. So we're just gonna, like we did last week, talk about our favourite games or you know features or fun facts about uh, Wimbledon over the years. Um, Jeff, you must have covered a few Cobblers Wimbledon games, ASC Wimbledon. Have you got any sort of games that stick out for you? Well. I kind of I kind of cheated on this a little bit to be honest because there 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 were a couple of games Michael Jacobs scored a couple of great goals down at Wimbledon a few years ago but really like my main memory of AFC Wimbledon is that I was like and this is going to be very much preaching to the the choir on this one I was blown away by the fact that the fans just started a new club when they when yeah. their actual when that actual club was you know, let's not let's not beat around the bush. It was just stolen from them, and I thought that was I was I was really um, 
was really gripped by that that whole story and that journey i actually bought when they first formed the club i actually bought several items of afc wimbledon merchandise including a a drill top and a mug and a couple of other bits and bobs because i really wanted to support the the cause now of course they're in the league i uh, i just wish them all everything bad to happen to them when they play the cobblers so in a way that's kind of good isn't it because now they're a fully formed football league club in their own right and you treat them with the same contempt you do anyone else the cobblers are playing yeah true and i think i think you're exactly right about wishing them well up to the point they're in their league but yeah they're now back they're back to where they well not where they need to be but they're back to a good strong strong position so now they're fair game again so that's you know that just pretty much is credit to what they've done there that's a good that's a good one jeff i i, I respect all the stuff that's gonna uh, and still is now let's face it they're gonna have their stadium finished probably probably before the east end is uh done so the whole stadium including probably funding, planning permission, and everything else. So fair play to them for that. Um, Ian, AFC Wimbledon, probably a fairly young club in terms of when we've been watching them. That you must have had a couple of games that you remember or a standout moment. I think I've been there. I think I've been there three or four times. <clears throat> My three visits, all kind of memorable because of three celebrities I saw there. Uh, okay. The first time I went, I went with Jake of this uh, of this parish, and I saw the bloke out of New Tricks, uh, <laughs> okay. Alan, Alan Armstrong. His character in New Tricks is an AFC Wimbledon fan, even though he's a Northerner, and he's an, he's a he's a Wimbledon fan in real life as well. So I actually saw him there in the um, okay. outside the outside the supporters bar. Cool. Um, <clears throat> Another occasion I was there and walking to the ground, bumped into Stephen Presley. We were chatting about um, when he was managing Coventry at, at the Six Fields and like that great team he had. He had Callum Wilson, didn't he? And um, mm-hmm. and uh, Leon Clark all went to play. You know, Callum Wilson's gone for, for big money this week, hasn't he? Always going to. And we were just chatting. And we got chatting about Wilder, actually, how well he was doing at Sheffield United. And it was, it was quite awkward because I was sort of trying to say, you know, like, how come he's had all this success and, you know, what, what does he do that you don't do kind of thing? <laughs> uh, but, yeah, he was, a, he was a really nice guy. And the other massive celebrity, it was, it must, it was the, I think it was that middle season when, with Wilder when we finished mid-table that year. Um, cause you, you're quite close to the dugouts, aren't you, in that terrace along the side of the pitch at Kingstonian. Yeah. And... I remember, I think Richards was injured. So he, like, it was before the game, they all started walking over to the Cobblers fans and obviously they all started singing, like, Chris Chris Wilder. And then they all started singing, we go, we go. And then, like, the third member of that party was the, my third celebrity, Evan Hallward, who uh, <laughs> the Cobblers fans just felt, because they'd already sang a song for Wilder and um, Rico, you know, club captain, they kind of felt they had to kind of... Do like Warren Evan Howard, and he kind of just like looked at us. Is like, yeah, cheers, lads. Yeah, oh, the picture, <laughs> the, the look on his face, it was amazing. It will stay with me, and it's one of those reasons why I love Evan. That and his, <laughs> um, that and his, um, his, 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 his photo opportunities. The funny thing was, you were talking about um, Presley, and you cut out a little bit. So I thought you'd heard you'd met Elvis Presley at the uh, Wimbledon. I was like, come on, in. We've yeah, all had a few I beers. Did. We've all had a few I beers. Did. It was great. 
Yeah. No, it was no. We were just me and my mate were just walking along, and he was like, "It's look, it's Stephen Presley. You are Steve." And he was, um, I think his lab was on a was um, at a youth in a, in in a, in a London club's youth system, and he just says, "No, we just um, <clears throat> after I've watched him play, we'll just go and watch a game in London." So my mate was going, "No, nah, you're scouting for someone. You must be scouting for someone. Every out of work manager is always scouting for someone." But he was just saying, "No, we just need to watch a game." <laughs> so yeah, it seems like um, AFC Wimbledon is a place to go for a minor celebrity spotting. So we'll we'll keep an eye on that one. Um, Andy, AFC yeah, it's Wimbledon, more about the... Wimbledon, speak to me. Yeah, well, again, um, part of the wilderness years for me, the aforementioned matches and various celebrity sightings. Um, down there well, I wasn't really you know I was sort of elsewhere um, at that time so I missed out on that whole era but it's more the the evocative nature of the name really uh, you know Wimbledon and um, being the age I and and we are you know uh, obviously that great um, that great cup final team in 88 but I think it's a real shame that um, that happened when you know English clubs were banned from Europe because you'd have got Wimbledon in the Cup Winners Cup the next season you know, 88, yeah. 89, you know, if you permit me just a, an element of whimsy, um, you know, the, yeah. the, 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 the mind started wandering as to, to what might have happened if, you know, you'd have got Rhoda J.C. Kakrada down at uh, Plough Lane and stuff, you know. <laughs> um, I, I, you know, I just had them, sort of, you know, beating Sampdoria in the quarterfinals, um, you know, winning 1-0 away. And then, uh, you know, scrappy John Fashionu goal 10 minutes before the end. Um, you know, one all at home, Glyn Hodges in the last minute, pandemonium on the terraces. And then, you know, you go, you go to the new Camp and lose 7-0 in the, in the semi-finals <laughs> against, against eventual, you know, against eventual winners of Barcelona <laughs> that season. I mean, Keith Curl was, um, I, I think he went to Wimbledon after they won the cup and Bobby, got, and Bobby Gold made him captain. Um, so you'd had, you'd had a Keith, Keith Curl in that team, you know, sort of, Pulling the pulling the lads up by the bootstraps. Not that that team probably needed that, because um, you know they they were they were a hard bunch of men. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, it, um, I, I'd I'd love to have seen them, you know. Yeah. Um, cream reckon... of Europe, our lane, because that would have happened had they been in the the cup winners' cup, wouldn't it? I um, think that story um, of Keith Cole. I think that was a time. I'm not 100 sure, but it rings a rings a bell that. Uh, John Gale played for Wimbledon for a short time yep. and John Gale and Keith Pell had a run-in apparently run-in run in inverted commas a bit more like John Gale had a run-in with Carl Higgs but um, yeah I've, I've heard this story from a couple of people that uh, Keith Cole I'm sorry if Keith, Keith Cole's still here so <laughs> if he took on John Gale but yeah just a bit of uh, one of those sort of um, quirky things of a so it's named captain um, of that team above Vinnie Jones really? Oh. wow I think that's right um, yeah I've heard him say that in interviews. So, you know, a, a strong dressing room. But, um, yeah, the, my story is um, from Wimbledon. And it was one of those games where Jefferson was probably covering it. And it was one of those, I think it was under Gary Johnson. It, in fact, it was under Gary Johnson. Those sort of dodgy years where we were sort of doing okay, but not really. We went to Wimbledon. I think, was it a night game? I can't remember. But it was at Kingstonian and... Um, there's a guy called Nick McCoy who um, Gary Johnson brought in, who was, uh, you know, um, yeah, let's say he had a patchy career, suddenly turned up at Cobblers, got sent off the game before, and then managed it. I remember going to this Kingstonian, and he got sent off, I think, quite early on, before the before half time, and he got sent off two games in a row. 
Now, at the time, it was like, what are you doing? I remember it was sort of a really clumsy foul. I was just thinking, what the hell is this guy doing? Like, I think we managed to win the game. But then you look at this sort of postscript to his career. And, you know, according to Wikipedia, um, he went to sort of a couple of clubs after us, uh, Tamworth, Sutton, you know, those sort of teams. But then he ended up in Australia, uh, where, and I'll read it out, uh, McCoy was arrested on 15th of September 2013 on suspicion of match-fixing while playing with Southern Stars in the Victorian Premier League in Australia. He pleaded guilty to three counts of offering to engage in conduct to corrupt a betting outcome at Melbourne Magistrates Court and was subsequently banned from football by FIFA for life and fined £1,500. So, uh, and then the postscript to that is he approached the FFA about having this ban overturned. Now, you know, obviously write a reply if you're listening, Nick, and this isn't right, just give us a shout out. Threats it, but um, I, I did. I did read at the time that he was uh, on trial for these sort of allegations. Now, if it's true he was banned for life from FIFA, is he the first Cobblers player to get banned for life? Do you reckon by FIFA? This has got to be a record. Ex Cobblers player. There's lots that should have been <laughs> <laughs> crimes against football. <laughs> and Nick Nick McCoy uh, is sadly missed by the sport. I think by his ban. You know, the yeah. sport, sport is poorer without Nick McCoy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. He was uh, he was just one of those ones where, like, getting sent off two games in a row and you just didn't, it didn't happen. And Gary Johnson, I think, just tried to sort of make light of it or whatever or say, you know, he's a, a good player in there. But I think what happened was Eddie Buford came in and immediately just got rid of him. So, yeah. uh, enjoy it that if you want to hear it. Yeah, go on. I know you boys love an A.D. Boothroyd story. So it was um, it was one of the first uh, presses we did with A.D. Boothroyd in the study centre. Um, and he, after the presser, he said to me, um, can you just come here a minute? I just want to have a quick word with you. As he was walking out, like, into the corridor. And I was like, OK, what's this? And he said, um, in the corridor, he said, just to let you know, we're going to be releasing, and I think it was Nick McCoy and Chris Arthur, Two, two real star players um he said we're going to release them so just so you know ahead of time but give me a bell on friday and i'll confirm it for you so i was like all right okay no worries Th- thanks thanks for the heads up because managers don't didn't really ever do that not with me anyway um and so it, I, I wrote the story and had it ready for the paper and the headline and all that written i tried to get hold of him on friday and he and his phone was off or he didn't answer his phone anyway so i think I didn't run the story, but I think that was him testing me. He wanted to see if I would do it anyway without calling him to get the to get the okayed. Because um, then they did release them like a few days later. Um, so yeah, I still he was a bit he was a bit like that, you know. And I th- I really do. I mean, it might, I might have got it completely wrong, but I felt he was. Um, it was a test, a test of my uh, journalistic ethics. But. You- but Jeff, you're you're missing the real the real test. The real test was to see if you were worthy of his cult. Absolutely. To see if because you had the background. No, no, uh, Chris McCoy, uh, sorry, Nick McCoy and Chris Arthur were no part of an airplane. They're being built <laughs> in the sky or in a hangar or in an airplane factory anywhere. They did not form any part of it. Not even like the nut on the wing. I actually set up a money trap in Reykjavik. Was it was meant to be for uh, Gareth Southgate, so that he would get he would uh, invite two women back to the hotel room and get fired, and Aidy become the national team manager. But, but that went sadly wrong. And I, yeah, uh, 
scurried into the shadows. <laughs> I just, I was, I was writing a little article about that, the uh, England team and stuff, and then I, I just, I just thought to myself at the end when I was writing it, God, the next person after Southgate is Boothroyd, really. There's, yeah. he, he is a serious contender for that job. So be careful what you wish for. Do you know what I mean? And unless you want an airplane in the sky for the England team, I don't know. <laughs> right, right, guys. We'll uh, we'll wrap up now because Jefferson's got, got a cramp and he's going to have to sort of turn himself upside down against the wall to uh, relieve <laughs> from playing five side. A crawl upstairs. <laughs> Ian's uh, going to need gas and air in a minute. It's just his normal uh, Thursday night, Friday night uh, routine. But um, thanks for talking to us. And we're going to have to, uh, you know, pay uh, homage to the uh, inaugural f and lad winner, Andy Bodfish, who uh, reigns supreme until next week. But until then, guys, thanks for talking and we'll speak to you soon. See you later. Cheers, mate. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.